listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Wednesday, the 23rd of February 2022. Later, I'll be speaking with the CEO of Domino's to find out why the company is turning to premium pizzas. But first, let's talk about how much pay you are getting because the wage price index from the Bureau of Statistics is out, up 0.7% in the December quarter, which means wages rose 2.3% on the year. Now at 2.3%, it's less than the annual inflation rate of 3.5% and below the minimum of 3% the RBA wants to see before it decides to start lifting interest rates. So for more, I spoke earlier with Paul Bloxham, he is the Chief Economist at HSBC. Paul, at 2.3% for the year, how would you describe the pace of wages growth in Australia? So it's picking up from the low point we saw in the pandemic as a lot of the wage freezes come off, but it's still quite low in the scheme of things. If you think about it, the RBA wants wages growth to be running at 3 to 4% so that the economy returns to some sense of normal, and we're still only running at 2.3%. If you look at the quarter on itself, um, it was at run, running at 0.7, so you annualise that up to 2.8, but still quite low in the scheme of things would, would be the way that I would describe it. How does it look a lot across different industries and across public and private? And at the same time, because we're hearing all this anecdotal evidence of private companies really paying top dollar for, for skills that are, re, are in high demand. Well, you're seeing some evidence of the really tight labour market in some areas, things like retail, accommodation services, and, and that's holding up some of the wage, some of the wage numbers. Uh, but the thing that's really seemingly holding down the wage pressure is there's a lot of enterprise bargaining agreements in Australia, and they're quite long in length. They're on average three three years long, and, and they're still holding down the broader wages story. So some tightness in some sectors that you, you're hearing anecdotes about, uh, but still a broad sense that wages growth is still quite low. Is it fair to say that this is still a lagging indicator? The labour market still is quite tight. So shouldn't we expect further acceleration in wages? Well, we do. We think that wages growth will start to accelerate uh, as, as the, the economy continues to recover. Uh, the only factor that might get in the way of the pace of that sort of acceleration in wages growth is keep in mind, we've just reopened the international border. So the skilled migrants and the international students and even the backpackers might start to flow in as that happens. That'll take some of the pressure out of the labour market. We still think, though, wages growth will be on a gradual rising pathway from here. Okay, so what does this piece of the puzzle mean for the Reserve Bank and this data today? Does it ease fears of a sooner than expected interest rate rise? I think this supports the RBA's own view that they can afford to be patient in terms of uh, waiting a while before they start to lift their cash rate. They're really inclined at the moment to try to run the economy a bit hotter than normal, to try and reset wage expectations so that people think that the norm for wage rises is not 2%, but 3 to 4% is what they're looking to do. And to do that, they're going to run policy looser for longer. So we don't think they're lifting their cash rate uh, in the next few months, at least. We think it's not likely until the second half of this year. Paul Bloxham there, the Chief Economist at HSBC, and the Australian share market did turn positive straight after the release of that data. The S&P A6200 closing up 0.6%, 7,205. That also is despite those tensions in Ukraine. For more, I spoke earlier with Luke Larative. He is an investment advisor at Seneca Financial Solutions.
Luke, the market really turned north and liked the release of the wage price index numbers that came from the Bureau today. Why? I suspect it's to do a little bit more with interest rate expectations, to be honest, Ricardo. The RBA has kind of stated they're looking for 3% wage growth or thereabouts um, to be the catalyst for raising interest rates. And with the number coming out today at about 2.4%, um, I think that's more of an indication that investors are perhaps a bit bullish on uh, rates staying lower for longer. To what extent is the invasion of Ukraine on the mind of investors now? I mean, do, do these things really hit the markets and in, in what way, if so? Yeah, I mean, I mean, they do, and they do certainly hit sentiment and confidence to a certain extent. But I don't think over the medium to long term, this really, you know, moves the dial from a from a fundamentals perspective. I mean, the Ukraine and Russia are, you know, largely irrelevant from a, a global developed economy perspective. I mean, their biggest trade partner is Germany, and it's less than two percent of their sort of trade balance. So, not not a huge kind of player in the grand scheme of things. Um, I think the main impact is going to be around commodity prices, where um, you know, Russia is quite a big supplier of natural gas into Europe, uh, and we've already seen those prices spike on the on the conflict. We've also seen oil prices already rise, so I think they might stay low, um, might stay higher for longer. Um, you know, additionally to that, Russia is sort of the third largest supplier of nickel, uh, and we've seen nickel stocks rally today. Like nickel mine is up sort of seven and a half percent on the back of uh, you know growing tensions. But I think without a uh, a significant escalation, um, you know, we should be right from a from an investment perspective. Profit reporting season rolls on. A key theme today, inflation, or it's, it's ongoing anyway, this theme. The likes of Woolies and Domino's have spoken about it. Which results caught your attention and why? Yeah, I think it's, you know, inflation is kind of a funny one. It's not equally applied to all parts of the economy at the same time. So some of these businesses at any given time have more exposure to inflation, either positive or negative, um, than others. And, and certainly Woolies and Domino's are sort of feeling the pain at the moment. Uh, labor and soft commodities, so you know, like food pricing, raw, raw food pricing, have been two of the sort of most inflationary uh, sectors, for lack of a better word. And and certainly, Woolies and 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 Domino's have got significant exposure there. I think the key problem, though, for the, for both those businesses, is they're unable to pass on those costs to consumers. Their their customers are quite price sensitive. Woolies are obviously, you know, uh, in a monop- in almost monopoly or oligopolistic type position. And Domino's, there's plenty of places you can buy pizza from. So um, the, these sort of substitutable businesses can get, um, you know, can, can have their margins squeezed. And all up in this environment, higher inflation, but the potential for higher interest rates down the track anyway, you know, where are the opportunities? Um, I, I think you're seeing quality businesses shine through. So we saw Cochlear yesterday, um, you know, the defensive nature of some of their, their earnings growth and ability to manage sort of a challenge um, and you know, uncertain environment over the past 12 months. Um, you know, they look like they've got some clear air ahead of them now. So looks like a you know, reasonable price for a, for a great business there. I think also um, any business that's kind of the opposite to Domino's and Woolies, and, and that is they've got pricing power, they've got a strong brand or a really dominant market position, loyal repeat, you know, um, customers who, who only use them for the particular service or goods that they use. So uh, com- companies like Breville and Sims have been able to demonstrate an ability to, you know, grow despite inflationary pressures. Um, and I think if you throw that together with a few of these financial stocks that benefit and some of the commodity players, um, I think that should make for a portfolio that's going to generate some alpha. Luke Larrative there from Seneca Financial Solutions. Now, he was talking about Domino's there. It's share price down 14%, and that's amid slowing growth. It did post global sales of $2 billion in the half year, up 11.1% 
profit, though, for the half down 5.3%. Domino's is a beneficiary of the pandemic, but the pizza maker is starting to see the impact of rising input costs. So what is it doing to tackle inflation? For more, I spoke with its CEO, Don May. Don, you've had to navigate COVID-19 in different parts of the world in which you operate, Australia, New Zealand, Europe and Asia. So what have you noticed about the Australian experience in dealing with the pandemic? It's been pretty consistent with the rest of the world is that when, whenever um, we went into lockdowns or there was rising cases, you would see the carryout business shrink and there'd be a little bit of a delay as people ate out of their pantries from all of that crazy sh- supermarket shopping and then delivery would take off. And then every single time, delivery just grew and grew and grew. So, you know, as we lap these numbers and um, we're, you know, it's going to be a three-year roll, we've still got really strong delivery behaviour. So what we can observe is there's absolutely more, um, more people at home, whether they're doing online uh, university or whether they work from home. Um, you know, Australia was no exception. As you mentioned, the pandemic has changed consumer behaviours and you've been a beneficiary when people are ordering pizzas at home. But how confident are you that these behaviours will continue? Yeah, we've looked at it all the way through. And um, first thing was delivery was already booming. If you would have spoken to me three years ago, I would have told you we're in the age of delivery. COVID brought that forward and then people stuck. You know, our, even even um, our uh, what we would call in our business our medium users or, or our more frequent users, they're even up forty percent, and they've stayed. So this summer we were looking for when I say this summer, last summer in Europe, the great reconnection. I mean, poor you know, for for many of the Europeans, they'd been locked up um, with curfews and you know a brutal uh, winter. So this great summer, our delivery just kept rocketing, which was quite extraordinary. Um, the only market that we, we it just had two years of such big numbers was Japan, where delivery remained strong, but the carryout, when they unlocked um, with the removal of the state of emergency, the carryout business shrunk, which was typical with everything else, but it was a little bit more pronounced in the, the Japanese business. Now, we are starting to see some evidence of rising prices, inflation, whether that be via supply chain, labour costs or rising food prices. How are these rising input costs, particularly in Australia, impacting your business? Yeah, so as a whole business, and Australia is no exception, we focused on on the customer. And we said, if we do need to take price, we want it to happen in a way the customer got more. So what what we've been doing is, for example, you would have seen recently, we've been launching some premium crusts. Now, if the customer pays $3 or €3 or €4 for the additional crust, it's their choice, but there's more margin in that for us. So we get a bigger basket but we're giving the customer more. And internally, we call that, we have to take a little bit more in our basket, but we're going to give you more. So sometimes we've been upgrading toppings, we've been putting more topping on a product, and then we may rebase the pricing of that product. But what we're obsessed about is not just simply putting up the price for the exact same product. And we've been doing that now for about two and a half months, and it's going quite well. So the customer is enjoying the benefits. They're looking at Domino's and saying, yeah, that's value, and we're getting the respect for it. So how do you see consumers manage this inflationary environment, which will ultimately lead to higher interest rates? Yeah, well, there has been wage inflation, of course, and that's way beyond uh, minimum wages and so on, you know, particularly in professional services. Um, the, the other thing is that there's a, there's a tension for our business for this whole coming decade is that with the rise of the delivery, the delivery of everything, you know, it's our belief that 50% of all uh, takeaway food, restaurant food will be delivered by the end of this decade. 
Um, we used to be a single-digit number in Australia. We're now over 20%. So it's well and truly on that growth target. Um, and there's two tensions to that. One is there isn't enough human beings on the planet to deliver the number of packages. So what we've been really focused on, you would have read about our 310 model, our 10-minute delivery model, which is an efficiency model. Because as we pay more for our team members, as we inevitably are and will, the way it works for us is that if we do more deliveries per hour, the cost is still the same. For example, if, if you're doing four deliveries an hour, um, if you can now do five because you're more efficient, then you can pay 25% more and have the same cost base per delivery. And that's what we've done very well. Around the world, we're enjoying uh, our best delivery times. We're continuing to hire people because they're earning you know, higher wages in many cases, um, not all cases. Um, and, um, and we're able to make sure that we're still delivering, whereas many of our competitors in the industry of delivery are actually already suffering. They don't have enough drivers uh, because they're not getting more efficient. Um, so, yes, we do expect wage inflation and that in particularly delivery drivers, it's a decade-long significant inflation. Don May there, the CEO of Domino's. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision.